wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome to this episode of Bleeding Daylight. I'd love the opportunity to chat with you on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, so search for Bleeding Daylight on social media and let's connect. Today's guest combines a couple of my passions, cycling ridiculous distances and great conversations. I can't wait to introduce you. Our world seems more full of conflict than ever before. Our opinions seem to be divided across so many topics and it feels like everyone is simply shouting their own opinion at each other louder and louder. I wonder what it would be like to step back and actively listen to others' stories, to hear not only their opinion but their heart. Neil Tomba is the senior pastor of Northwest Bible Church and an avid cyclist. Years ago, Neil began dreaming about combining two of his greatest passions – having conversations about Jesus and spending time in the great outdoors. In June 2019, Neil cycled across the United States where, along the way, he engaged in conversations with individuals from all walks of life. And it wasn't just a one-way conversation. He wanted to hear the hearts of the people that he met. The journey was captured by a film team and has been turned into a book. I'm incredibly thrilled to welcome Neil to Bleeding Daylight. Neil, thank you so much for your time. Rodney, thank you for having me, and I do love to ride bikes and talk to people about Jesus, and I'm so glad to get to talk about that with you right now. Your ride happened in the summer of 2019, but when did the idea begin? So that idea came to me 18 years prior, during a summer trip to Colorado. I was riding my bike, and I had had so many conversations with people, whether I was hiking mountains or riding bikes about their life, about what matters, about Jesus. And I saw a little couple by a lake and I wondered about their story. That particular couple, I didn't even talk to that day. I just thought, I need to travel the country, listen to people's stories, have conversations about what matters and about faith in Jesus. And for 18 years, I would talk to my wife about this idea and I'd say, hey, Vila, what do you think about me riding across the country and you can follow me in our car? And she thought, you're crazy. (laughs) It sounds like a crazy idea and even more crazy for her to agree to follow you all that distance. How did it then come to actually happen? Because we don't all have that sort of time available to us to just go on a long ride and and just chat to people. So how did that formulate as you were coming closer to it? So Rodney, two things kind of catalyzed this after 18 years. One, just the thing you mentioned in the top of the show here, just the conflict in our country and in our world. And this is before the last 20 months, okay? And people just not able to talk to people about anything Also, our church, which has been around for 69 years, a lot of people who have known a lot about Jesus for a long time, we did a little survey, and it wasn't to find out if they liked the preaching or not, because we knew they liked the preaching. It was really to say, is there anything we're missing here? And it was like this moment of confession where we all said, we're not talking about our faith much. And so we developed a vision to say over the next seven years, we're going to trust God that we're going to have thousands 
of surprisingly easy to start conversations all over our city, the city of Dallas. And at that time, I decided, okay, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to travel across the country and be a part of living this vision and leading this vision. So I had one month to take off, and I said, I'm going to use it to ride across the country. It's a great opportunity to see the country, but also to chat to people. Did you set yourself a goal of how many conversations you intended to have during that journey? So, Rodney, one of the things about me on personality test, I am an achiever, and I like to achieve things. Like, I like the idea of riding across the country, and I like the idea of having lots of conversations. I actually didn't have a specific goal. I thought, man, if I could have three or four great conversations a day, that would be amazing. And we actually recorded 117 conversations. Now, the team I was with at times, they were looking at me saying, Neil, we need to stop having conversations. We need to get to our hotel and we all need some sleep. I can imagine that it would be difficult for others who hadn't fully bought into the whole conversation thing, especially when they're with someone like you who just loves those conversations and I imagine would be thriving on that. Tell me about the team that was with you. Who was riding with you during this journey? Rodney, it was really an amazing thing that came about as I started just telling people about this idea. Two guys that I've known for years, they were taking either early retirement or just some time off. And they said, we want to be a part of this. And they helped manage, they helped arrange the routes and all kinds of things. So we also had a missionary couple we knew who bought a van just for the trip to drive the van and carry supplies, carry equipment, all that we needed. I also had a longtime friend, Wes, who has ridden across Australia, I called him to help with the website, and he said, I don't want to do that, but I'll ride across the country with you. And another lady who worked at our church, Caroline, who had just had a transformation in her life where she decided she was going to do a triathlon, and in one year, she lost 50 pounds and did a triathlon. And I asked her if she would just come for a week. She said, I want to come for the whole time. So those two rode with me the whole time. There was about three to four people in this van. And then we had a professional film crew, a guy, John Link, who documented all this. He had an assistant and somebody else from our church drove the vehicle. And my wife came along also. <laughs> it's it's an amazing group of people, so mixed. The sort of yes. group that you would think, perhaps they wouldn't mix together. And you wonder, could this actually work? And I seem to recall a story about 2,000 years ago of a, of a bunch of very mixed people going on a journey together. So how did it work out? I guess even though you're all followers of Jesus, there would have to be rubs along the way, wouldn't there? Maybe a few. You know, Rodney, <laughs> it was interesting as we were going, p- people started sharing stories about people they knew who said they were going to ride across the country with a friend or a couple friends. And I heard four or five stories of people who started across the country together and they didn't get along and they actually didn't stay together. One flew home and crazy stuff like that. So we had our tensions and the longer we went, the more tired we were and the more those tensions would come out. (sighs) I think the thing that got us through 
is that we were all committed to this vision of riding across the country, having conversations, and seeing what God might do. We also met every month for a year prior, and we prayed together. We prayed God would provide divine appointments, and we prayed that God would provide the funds for this to happen. And he did both of those in miraculous ways. And I think all of that helped us hang together. Plus, some of these folks I had long-term relationships with, we were committed to each other. I want to know how you started these conversations. I know that riding a bike a long distance, there's a genuine interest from the people that you meet along the way. So that's an easy start. But more in the day-to-day, how do you begin those sorts of conversations with people you've never met before and it might come from very, very different viewpoints? Great question, Rodney. And let me say, everyone tends to be unique. I'll tell you about a conversation I had just a few days ago with a stock question that I asked people. I was eating lunch somewhere, and right next door, they had a macaroon shop. My granddaughter was going to spend the night, and so I bought some macaroons, and we were going to have a little tea party later that night. I go in there, and there's a lady. I'm going to say her name is Mary at the counter, and I said, hey, Mary, how can I pray for you? Is there anything you need prayer for? And Rodney, she snickered at me. She didn't laugh. She snickered. And that made me super curious. So I leaned in a little and I said, is there anything specific? And she finally said this. She goes, if that makes you feel good to pray, you go ahead and pray for me. And I assured her I wasn't talking about praying right then. So that got me curious. And I said, it seems like you don't like that idea. And she said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in a higher power. Now, Rodney, here's what happens. We hear something like that. We do one of two things. We look for an opportunity to disagree or debate, or we just kind of turn tail and run. I was curious about her story, Rodney. And I said to her, you know, Mary, I rode my bike across the country, and I I talked to two different atheists who told me the exact same thing. They had never felt respected by people of faith. Rodney, she looks at me, her whole countenance changes. She goes, thank you for saying that. That's exactly how I feel. And no one's ever said that to me before. So I took a physical step back and I said, Mary, I want you to hear this. As a person of faith, I respect you as a person who doesn't believe in a higher power. Immediately, her eyes start welling up with tears And she says to me, when I was a little girl, my parents told me that Christmas is really important in our house. And I told them, I don't believe in God. I think I'm an atheist. They said, fine, you won't get any more Christmas presents until you believe. And we had this incredible moment, total stranger who cracks open this deep seated hurt in her life. It's incredible when we hear those sorts of stories because we're changing from just trying to convince each other of an opinion. As I said in the introduction, we don't have those conversations of talking opinions anymore. We're just shouting at each other. So that's not going to work. You're talking about something different here, about really hearing from someone rather than just trying to force our opinion on them, aren't you? 
Exactly, Rodney. Trying to listen, even trying to find a place of agreement with them. And is that how a lot of conversations started with people across the country, that you're trying to find that place of agreement and then take that conversation a little bit deeper? Exactly. You know, Rodney, as we were going, another way that I would start conversations is by taking interest in something that person was obviously interested in asking them questions, moving into their world. We were on a highway in California on the service road, and there was these two guys driving motorcycles, and I used to ride a motorcycle. we pull off and just start talking to them about their motorcycles. And one of the guys says something about, yeah, being out here, I just feel free, and they're using those that kind of language of experience. And so I I said, wow, do y'all ever talk about spiritual things? I was wondering what they talked about. So one of the guys starts talking and one of the guys, Chris, doesn't seem very open. The other guy talks a lot. Finally, Chris starts opening up. He told the story of his grandfather had a Bible college that he went to. And Chris told us that he walked away from all of that like 30 years ago, like shutting a door in his house and never opening it again. The other guy was his brother-in-law. He tells the person next to us, I have never heard Chris talk about these things. I never knew any of this about him, and I've known him for years. Rodney, here's what I was thinking just by coming into their world, talking with them, looking where I can agree with them and acknowledging, yeah, that that's hard. And how do you get back to where you have some kind of connection with God? When we lose connection with God, that's hard. The cool thing about that is I think those two guys will go on and have some conversations they've never had before. It's interesting when we start to talk about these conversations that you're opening up, because even in the couple that you've mentioned, there seems to be this common theme that people have not necessarily been hurt by God, but by people who claim to follow him. Is that the the sort of theme that you found all along the way? That was one major theme, Rodney. And I will tell you, as a pastor, I've been in full-time paid ministry for 35 years. And it it was hard to hear. I remember talking to a lady, Sasha, in a hotel. Uh, She was managing it. She said, I want to talk to you. I mean, she was pointing her finger at me saying, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, Sasha, let's talk tomorrow morning, 730. And I'm looking for her. Where's Sasha? She's in the room combing and her hair and putting on makeup. I I said, open the door for me. They opened the door. I said, Sasha, you look beautiful. Come on out. And so Sasha takes us to one of the rooms and there we are filming this. And I could tell she had been hurt in a church and she was alluding to some of those awful things we hate to hear about abuse and stuff. And she looks at me and says, so it's hard to trust. She never said directly it happened to her. I said, Sasha, this sounds like it's pretty close to you. She goes, yes, it is. I said, Sasha, I just want you to know I'm a pastor and I I believe Jesus is for women. He's for children. He's for all people. And I want to ask you, Sasha, something right now. 
as a person who represents other pastors and that for you, will you forgive me if you're able to? It was an amazing moment. I'm wondering how difficult it is as you're entering into these conversations to actually put yourself in the place of the people that you're talking to when that hasn't been your experience, but suddenly hearing things that, as you say, are difficult to hear, but be willing to acknowledge that. How difficult is that? Hmm. You know, Rodney, some experiences are hard because I've never experienced the right that exact experience as you're alluding to. And I've been blessed by being part of a church where we actually talk about choosing God's healing over our hiding. And my wife and I have both been a part of the recovery ministry at our church because of how addictions and things like that have touched our own family and our own children. So I feel like part of the work God has done in me through brokenness has helped me to be more open to believing that we say we have a Savior who hung naked on a cross for people's shame and pain. So can we accept that, embrace that, and be okay with that with others without even trying to have to fix it? Just to say, man, that happened. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weep with you here. I'm wanting to change gears a little now and talk more on the cycling side of things for a little while. Yeah. How did you prepare for such a, a big journey? Because you're doing big miles every day. How did you prepare for that? So, Rodney, my wife started asking me questions like this. She goes, hey, Neil, you're going to ride 100 miles a day for basically 30 days. Have you ever ridden 100 miles a day two days in a row? <laughs> and I said, well, I have done some long mountain biking events. There's a famous event called the Leadville 100. I also did a 210-mile ride. Fortunately for me, Rodney, I have a daughter who's been in the USA pro cycling crits this year going across the country, and she's been cycling for a while, and she was actually my coach. She'd give me a training plan every week, and I would sneak in some rides early, early in the morning during the week. I'd get about three rides in during the week where I'd try to get about 30 miles. And then on the weekend, I would try to ride 100 miles on Saturday. And we took one little trip. Our team did three 100-mile days, and that wasn't too bad, so I, I figured we could do it. And then, Rodney, I did one other thing that was kind of fun. We have a lake by my house that is about 10 miles around the lake. And one day, just to raise some awareness for the trip, I did 210 miles around that lake. So I did 21 laps. Wow. You, you were certainly getting prepared. And, and for, for those who are interested in this side of things, what sort of bikes were you riding? You would want something that's fairly light, wouldn't you? Yes. So it was actually a U.S. built bike in, in Arkansas, which is just north of Texas. It's called an allied bike, a, a carbon fiber bike. It's actually called an all road bike. So you can put a little wider tires if you want. And it has a what we would call a more relaxed geometry. And that was a great bike for riding across the country. Even with all the training, were you really prepared for that 
real weariness that comes at the end of a few days in a row of cycling those sorts of distances? Rodney, I had no clue what I was getting into. Because it's one thing to ride 100 miles a day and just be with some friends where we get up early, ride 100 miles, take an early lunch, take a nap, go eat dinner, kind of have a party and do it again. But we had a team of 10 people. So we're figuring out breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And also, I'm having five, six conversations a day, stopping to have conversations So just that stopping and getting started again was exhausting. And most days I would get up at 5.30 in the morning and go to bed at 10 at night. It's tough to to have to deal with that weariness day after day, isn't it? Yes, yes. And that's where you can get a little cranky sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And I notice in the trailer for the telly series that's being put together, uh, there there does seem to be a moment where they've they've captured a a, a bit of crankiness. And I guess that's something that you wanted (laughs) to make sure that they were not trying to to paint your team as the all-conquering heroes, but to say this is real life. Yes. And, you know, Rodney, one of the things that came to me after the trip – that I, I didn't think about during the trip or before the trip. What was beautiful about that real life example is we've got people all over the world. They're exhausted from living their day to day life, all the problems, all the stuff on the news. And I'm saying, go out and have conversations about Jesus. And they're saying to me, and some of the people at my church have said to me, we are emotionally exhausted. So how do we find opportunity for conversations in the middle of this life that just seems so tiring? You know, Rodney, one of the things that I've tried to tell people is, let's not start by saying, I've got to make more time in my schedule, or I've got to target this person over here. I've said, you know, wherever you are, go out and be curious. Just go out and be curious about people, about life. So if I'm in a restaurant, be curious. If I'm in the airport, be curious. If I'm at work, be curious in this way. How's your family doing? And just see where that takes you. Rodney, one quick story on this. I turned 60 years old this year. When I was about 21, I was waiting um, to catch a plane in Dallas. And I don't know why we ended up outside. There was a couple in their 90s. So I'm in my 20s. This is 40 years ago. They're somewhere in their 90s. And I say to them, just being curious, hey, what's one of the most amazing things you've ever seen in your life? And the lady says, well, I remember when I was a little girl, my mother said, I don't want you going out in that field over there because there's these boys there, the Wright brothers, and they're doing crazy stuff over there. Wow. Talking about the Wright brothers. (laughs) testing an airplane. That's absolutely incredible. And so much of this we miss when when we stop engaging from those around us. We miss those incredible stories. You're talking about having conversations for the sake of being able to, to share part of your faith, but there's also part of those stories that are just going to enrich us. How much do we need to make sure that we're letting those stories touch our lives rather than just us trying to force an opinion onto others. Rodney, I I will tell you, there was a phrase we heard several times. I was talking to 
Jeffrey. He's a Native American of the Laguna tribe. This is out west. I never had the opportunity before to talk to Native Americans on their land. They're very suspicious of me coming in. And I, I saw him actually working on, on his car in his house out in the desert area. I said, hey, um, Jeffrey, would you like to have some conversation? We're just listening to people's stories, talking about things that matters. He said, I don't have time. We go under his shade tree and we're eating and he comes over after he said he didn't have time. And he shows me his cell phone. He starts showing me pictures of the hotel that used to be by that train track over there that his grandfather had where the train station was. He starts telling me about his ancestors, showing me pictures. He starts telling me about his life and I'm just listening and listening. And then Rodney, Rodney Jeffrey said this, do you have time for one more story? I can't tell you how many times people said that when they saw that we really were curious and we were serious about listening. And after somebody's told you about 30 minutes of stories, often they want to hear what you're about. And when people ask, have you got time for one more story? What do we do when we genuinely don't? Is, it, is there an opportunity to say, let's connect again, but then make sure that we do? Yes. And I had, I had an opportunity to talk to a lady just yesterday who's had a stroke. She's written a book about the brain, and now she's just about to publish another book. And Rodney, I'm glad you asked me this question because she said, you know, I like positive stories. She didn't say she necessarily liked Jesus. I was talking about Jesus. And she said, I'd really like to talk to you some more. I got her card, and I think it's really important that I give her a call. And I actually am very interested in brain science and stuff like that. So I genuinely do want to talk to her. We're so used to just in our day-to-day -day lives hearing people say, yeah, we'll catch up and it never happens. Or we hear mm. people saying, I'll pray for you. And that's just a nice way of saying, yeah, I might think about you from time to time. How essential is it that we start to to note these things down and, and follow through for the authenticness of our witness? I think it's really important, Rodney. And, you know, yesterday after talking to somebody, they came up and with tears in their eyes, just made some allusions to their niece and said, I, I, I want to give my niece your book, The Listening Road, which is the book that documents this story. And I almost let her walk away, Rodney. And I said, hey, can we pray right now? And there were some people around, but I could tell she didn't care. There were some people waiting to talk. And I thought... Neil, there's one person in the room right now, this lady right here. Forget about everybody else. Forget about talking to anybody else. Be present with her. And maybe, Rodney, that's the word, along with be curious, to be present. I know that this ride wasn't just about you collecting stories or having conversations. It's not all about, hey, I'm the pastor, so I get to do this. You wanted to transfer that back to the membership of the church. How has that gone? How has the opportunity gone to actually share this with the congregation and invite them in to do similar things? You know, Rodney, everybody loves adventures, right? And it's interesting how we get excited about somebody else's adventure and how that can encourage us. It's why in America, we have a fascination with football, not played with a round ball, but with a brown oblong looking thing. And everybody in my church 
has a football team they're excited about, right? And they can talk about it. What's been interesting as I shared my adventure with them, as people have bought the book, Rodney, I've heard one person after another, every week I will get a call or a text or an email, and I got one this week of somebody who says this, Neil, from reading your book, I had a conversation with somebody about Jesus this week that I would not have ever had a conversation with. Or another guy who said, I've been playing basketball with this group of guys in the gym for five years. He said, I asked the guy a question today and he told me something about his family. And I, he said, I normally would have turned around and then walked home and I wouldn't have seen him again until next week. He said, I stopped and I asked another question, another question. And he said, we talked for an hour and I'm looking forward to seeing him again. You seem to be a naturally curious person. You seem to be someone who naturally wants to be present. But by the way you're talking, these things can be learned, that people can take these on. And and in the case of the guy playing basketball, he recognized that normally he wouldn't have been curious. Normally he wouldn't have been present, but it's something that he can learn. Are you hoping that many, many more people will be able to learn some of these behaviors and incorporate them into their everyday lives? Absolutely. And Rodney, you know, this came after the trip. I realized much of the thing that we called evangelism, I don't use that word at our church, not that I think it's a bad word, but I just want to just recalibrate our mindsets a little bit because in America, what people thought of as evangelism was I had to go through a two or three point gospel presentation and get somebody to say yes or no. And most people are thinking, I, I, I can't do that, and I surely can't do it immediately with somebody at work. And so when I went on the trip, I said, I'm going to make sure every conversation I have, I can have a second conversation. My goal was not to convert anybody. My goal was to model what I believed everybody in our body could do. And as I, and not just me, our whole church, and we've developed a a training that is very different than any kind of evangelism training I've ever been through, where we're helping people think about their unique story, how God has shaped them and the places God has placed them. And I'm giving, we are giving each other permission to say, just ask, just ask an unnecessary question and then ask one more. And if you have a conversation that you would have never had before, we're going to declare victory and go home and look forward to that second conversation. So one of the things, Rodney, I feel like people have easily been developing the skills of being curious and listening when they've been given permission to not have to try to get to an end game. There seems to be this idea in in evangelism or sharing our faith that we we kind of have to close the deal, so to speak, that it's a sales pitch when nothing could be further from the truth. How do we start to get people to change their mindset about what sharing our faith is about? Is it just that giving them permission, as you say? You know, Rodney, I think so. And then also going back and looking at the life of Jesus, just the way of Jesus he, he, you know, he goes to a woman at the well and starts asking her questions about her life. And she's totally excited about Jesus at that point. But he didn't say, okay, step one, two, or three. 
in the way that we say it today. And then I look at Paul going to the Areopagus and saying, man, I see you guys worship this unknown God and you y'all are kind of passionate about these kinds of things. And then it says at the end, we'll talk more tomorrow about this. It's interesting that there's a pattern already there set out, and yet so often we, we miss it. Uh, we, we talk about this could be the only opportunity this person has to hear about Jesus Christ, and yet we're not leaving room for the Holy Spirit to act and, and bring that second conversation together. How much do we need to rely on an all-knowing, all-powerful God to, to be able to orchestrate those conversations? Rodney, when I was in college at the university, I was the president of my dorm because I threw the best parties. I was out there. After believing in Jesus, uh, students had, I bet, 20, 30, 40 conversations with me. Over the course of like four months, I come to know Jesus, and I heard this, and it's the best thing I've ever heard. Successful conversations about Jesus are just simply taking the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. And so, in some ways, this is a theological issue. Do I believe, first and foremost, the only reason Neil Tomba came to know Jesus is by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit ripping the scales off my eyes? And do I believe for every person I talk to that ultimately... God has to do a supernatural work. And so I just get to go out and have the fun of bringing up the subject, learning about them, having a meal with them, going on a bike ride with them, and just learning about their life in our world. It's an incredible opportunity that each of us has in front of us. And I think that this has been really the thing that has held us back is we've believed the lie that as I say, we, we need to do this like a, a sales event and, and close the deal, which is which is not the case. I'm wondering, when it comes to actually documenting the ride, you've got the this docu-series. How far along is that in actually being released? So we are creating eight episodes. We are finishing up episode five. We're really hoping that the ones who are creating and editing and doing all this will be finished by November, and the goal is to have it out on some platform or many platforms January or February next year. I look forward to seeing that because nothing quite compares with actually seeing people mm. on the bikes in the middle of that scenery and to hear those conversations that you've recorded. So that's going to be fantastic. But of course, in the meantime, you have the book and the book is called The Listening Road, One Man's Ride Across America to Start Conversations About God. Tell me about that book. What is in there? Is it just a chronicling of that trip? Or is it deeper? Is it those conversations that you've had? Rodney, the book is almost a day-to-day -day chronicling of the trip. And each chapter has taste and parts of the many conversations we've had. And as much as possible, I left the conversations just letting them stand. At times, I give a little commentary. At times... I give up maybe a little lesson. I tried to stay away from that too much. I talk about my own struggles, whether it's the struggles on the bike and whatever part of my body was hurting, 
but also the struggles of, you know, I wasn't sure what to say there. I felt like maybe I should have gone further or I just felt pressure to say something more and decided not to. And just some of those kinds of things also that happen. One of the things I think that people have said about the book, I was talking to a friend I hadn't talked to in years about the book a couple days ago. And she said this, she said, you know, Neil, part of this genius of this book is it is written in such a way that I can imagine my own world and I can imagine myself with the people I come into contact with having conversations in my own way. That's a pretty cool recommendation to be able to yes. get people to transfer the sorts of things that you are doing, which most of us will never get to do, uh, but to transfer that into their everyday lives and say, actually, I can be a part of this too. That that must be incredibly satisfying for you. You bet. <laughs> I'm wondering if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about the book or stay in touch to make sure that they don't miss the docuseries when it's released. Where's the easiest place for people to find you? So one place is on Instagram, Rodney, and then you can also get in touch with me at cycle at neiltomba.com. Okay, well, I'll put details of how to contact you in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can make sure that they can be in touch. And hopefully they'll grab that book and it'll be a great opportunity to hear about an incredible adventure, but so much more than that as well. But Neil, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you today. Thank you for your time on Bleeding Daylight. Thank you, Rodney. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.